I'm glad we found out what happened to the diamond, unlike the time Randy told the story and we lost the kid and we had no idea what happened to the kid. <laughs> Love you, Randy. Today we start a new sermon series, one that I'm really passionate about, about sharing our faith. Now, when I was growing up, evangelism was a bad word. And I kid you not, it was. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. I didn't want to have anything to do with sharing my faith. Uh, the examples I had of people sharing their faith were very much in your face, offensive, aggressive, and I didn't want to have anything to do with it until I read this book. It's called Evangelism for Normal People. And, and this is one, <laughs> normal people like me, yeah. Uh, anyways, but in this, he calls that flasher evangelism. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Like the, the people who used to dress, they, well, they weren't dressed. Uh, and they had those trench coats, and then they would go around and they would flash people, right? And what he talks about is our way of sharing our faith that is in people's faith before we even have a relationship is like a flasher. Because sharing your faith is an intimate thing, right? It's something you do with someone that you know and that you love. And so it started to change my perspective And the more that I think about it, and the more I realize it, and the more that I try to understand my call in my life, I realize how deeply important sharing our faith is. It's really the basis. In fact, we say we're going to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, right? You do realize that it includes sharing our faith. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about it. Today, we're going to talk about being the sent ones, that we, each of us, if we say yes to Jesus, we have a responsibility we have a responsibility. Jesus tells us, as my Father sends, sent me, I send you. We have a responsibility to share our faith. And if we want to make disciples, we want to transform the world, we want to do all the good in the world, we have to have a commitment to sharing our faith. So just to sort of talk about this, my faith, and what I'm going to ask, I'll share a little bit for myself. If anybody would feel bold enough to share a little bit about the person who shared their faith with them and what it meant to them. And I'll start with me. My first person that I remember that shared their faith with me was a pastor named Sean. I don't remember a lot about Sean. I just remember he was a real big man, jolly, and he was a pastor who just loved on me for no reason other than I was a kid in his church. So part of who I am today is because that man chose to share his faith with me. Does anybody have an example of a person who shared their faith and it's one of the reasons that you're standing here today? Yeah, Tavon. Because, oh, sorry, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it just got turned on. In a sense, nobody shared their faith with me because um, um, when I was younger, I was raised in a church. Um, I was born in Belize, if n- many people didn't know that. And um, I was raised in a church, and I spoke to my mom about this, and she said, yeah, I agree, because when I was younger, I was just in a church, and I moved around a lot. So if you're just raised in a church, you just have that love for the church. It's not like... Even though you're, you, get, you learn what the faith is, you just go for it on your own and you find out your relationship with, with Jesus Christ just, just like that because you're in a church. And That's right. Yeah. Thank you. But there were people in those churches who were sharing their faith. Anybody else want to share about just that person that you can think of who, yeah, Bill, thank you. So my name is Bill. Um, for me, it was uh, uh, Richard Soslow. Uh, he's, uh, you know, he's, he grew up Jewish, uh, and so he has a lot of, uh, you know, 
a lot of uh, background that uh, helps you understand where we come from. And it was his story that, uh, and his understanding of, of who Christ is within us is what uh, really drew me in, and uh, it, it's the reason I'm here today. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. We'll do one more. Aaron? Uh, hi, my name is Aaron, and when I was a freshman in college, after experiencing a really rough childhood and being raised in the church but never meeting the real Jesus, um, I looked at God and I said, if I ever knew you, I don't know you now, and I do not recommend that anybody else do that. It's really, really not smart. But a woman who worked in the college group uh, overheard me, and she spent the next six months just loving me and showing the hands, feet, and heart of Jesus to me every single day of my life. And finally, on I know the date, I know the time, March 26, 19, or March 13, 19, Oh my gosh, 78, I'm old. <laughs> At 10, 10 p.m., I asked Jesus to come into my life, and I said, I give you six months to make a difference or I'm gone. And by the time six months rolled around, I didn't even know. I was so committed, and the Lord had so radically changed my life. Amen. And I will tell you my birthday is March 13th, but I will not tell you how old I was because I couldn't because I wasn't born yet. I love you. All right. Um, so we, each of us that are sitting in this room could probably name someone, right? Maybe we're, we're shy to do it in front of a congregation of 150 people, but we could name someone, right, who took the time and the effort to pour into our life. And as Jesus says, so as I was sent from the Father, so I send you. This is how Jesus, this is how God has chosen for the church to operate. God could do it himself, but for some reason, trust us. It's an imperative, which is a command. It's a command to go and share our faith. We are the hands and feet of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So our scripture this morning comes from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. This is what it says. It was still the first day of the week, that evening, while the disciples were behind closed doors because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities, Jesus came and stood among them. I love John because John has such incredible connections to the Hebrew text. Even in this one verse, there's so many things underlying it that he's trying to point out, these little bells that should be ringing in our head. First of all, first day of the week. In John, he says, it is finished. Which is very similar to at the end of creation, on the sixth day, which it was the sixth day of the week, it was Friday, it says that the creation was complete. So it is finished, and now we have Jesus meeting the disciples on the first day of the week. This is incredibly important because God also would stroll in the garden in the cool evening breeze. So what John is trying to point to us, what he's trying to get us to focus on here, is to look back to the creation story first just as there were six days of creation and then God rested, there were six days and then as Jesus was in the tomb, we can look at that as God resting. And then the seventh day, the, the, I mean the, the first day of the week, the eighth day, represents a new creation, a new thing God is doing. So on the first day of the week, 
what John is telling us is God is doing something new. We're in a new era, a new stage where God is going to entrust to the church this incredible mission. This is the first day of a new week. It's a first day. It's a new dawning. We are in a new era, an era entrusted to the church. And we're reminded of the original call of humanity to serve God, right? So it was the first day of the week. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And when the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with joy. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father sends me, I am sending you. And then we skip ahead a little bit. It says, if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you don't, they aren't forgiven. Now, this is a really radical thing that we could just miss if we're just reading through this, okay? Mark 2, 7, Jesus gets in trouble for forgiving sins because the Jewish people are like, only God can forgive sins. So now, not only is Jesus forgiving sins, Jesus is telling the disciples that if they forgive sins, they are forgiven, and if they don't forgive sins, they aren't forgiven. So Jesus is imparting the work of God onto the people of God. And I don't think we're adequate, right? This is a huge task. This is an amazing thing that God is asking the people of God to do. Who you forgive will be forgiven. Who you don't forgive won't be forgiven. Another time he tells disciples, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Jesus is given basically the keys to the kingdom to the disciples, to the church. But the key is actually a little bit before that. After he says there will be peace and I'm sending it with you, he says, then he breathed on them, receive the Holy Spirit. So again, that idea of breath, that draws us back to the Hebrew text, the breath, the ruah, the Spirit of God that God breathed into the first creation of humans, made in the image of God, right, that gave them life. We're told that God breathed into Adam and gave him life. That was the Holy Spirit. And now sin happened, all the awful things that were brought with sin and our fall from grace. But through Jesus, we are a new creation And once again, life is breathed into us through the power of the Holy Spirit. He breathes into them. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. We are empowered. We literally have God within us. So it is impossible for us to forgive sins. It is impossible. It's really honestly not us. But the fact that we have the Holy Spirit within us, that we get to do this. And it's the same thing, all of this work that we're talking about. When we talk about evangelism. It's not on our power and ability. It is the Holy Spirit within us to do it. But that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is going to, you know, that we just hang out and the Holy Spirit's going to do all the work. Now, I do believe God works without us. That's not what I'm saying. But But Jesus gives us an imperative. As the Father sent me, so I send you. So what does this have to do with evangelism? I think much in every way, right? This important task of revealing who God is, Jesus doesn't entrust it to angels. Jesus leaves. He calls us and he equips us for this work. It's an imperative. It's a command. It is incredibly important that the people of God take on this task for themselves and say, we are the people who are called and equipped for this work. What does that mean to be called? To share the good news. What does it mean for us to say that we are the ones who are sent by God? Well, it simply means that we have to be willing. We get to the equip part. The called part is simply saying yes. 
We have some amazing stories of people saying yes in this congregation. I have some pictures up here. Um, first of all, this is Sophia, uh, Sophia Dackey. And she noticed at her school that there were kids who did not have friends to play with, right? And what does she do? She talks about it to her mom. Her mom shares this idea of the buddy bitch, and she makes it happen through making a post online, getting donations, and now kids at her school don't have to be alone. If you want a friend, you sit on the buddy bench, and then someone comes and sits with you. All because of Sophia having a vision for not people, want, people not wanting to be alone. The next one is Lacey. And Lacey is an amazing young girl who feel, feels called to go to Guatemala to share God's love. And the way that she did that is she committed to setting up a lemonade stand and selling lemonade so that she could raise funds to go to Guatemala to help these children, to share the love of God. They're going to do a Bible study. They're going to do some work with, with orphans in this country in Guatemala. Our youngest are leading the way. They're showing us, right? Yeah, Amen. They're showing it how to done. We don't have to have all the learning and education and knowledge. We just have to be willing. And then God shows up. We have other amazing people in our congregation. Uh, I think I told Adam I was going to do this, but I was on the phone with Adam talking to him about the capital campaign. And it was really funny. This lady, uh, he had, he, we were on the cell phone and he got a call on a work phone. And this really confused lady called asking about a government cell phone. Now I think most of us would be like, wrong number, click. But as I was talking to Adam, Adam goes, David, I, I need to take a moment. I need to help this lady. And got off the phone with me and, and found out what she needed. And I hope that she eventually got a government cell phone. But that's part of being called to share the love, to take time for people that other people would just be like, wrong number, and hang up. Adam felt called and he acted. And that's what we're called to do. I think about Benny, who came to me. And say, I feel called to lead a Bible study for women. And I want, and this is kind of an unusual idea, I want to bring women who are retired and I want to bring women who are like our stay-at-home moms and get together so they can pray together and read together and grow together. What an amazing call. And she responded. And now we have this group that meets on Thursday that's this really amazing mix of women, you know, retired women and these younger women who are struggling with what it means to be a mom and family and and they come together and they get to do this together and grow in faith together. We have people in this church that are called and they respond and great things happen. So all you have to do is say yes and then Jesus will equip you. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to know all the knowledge. You just have to be willing to say yes to God. And then we are equipped. One of the greatest things that Jesus gives us, he says it breathed, he breathed into them and they received the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine what that was like to be an ordinary person and all of a sudden to have the Holy Spirit, God, within you? But we do, don't we? Because each of us, if we follow Jesus, we have received that gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, it may seem small to us, but that's not because of God limiting God's self within us. That is because of us limiting God either because we don't listen to the Holy Spirit or because we have quenched the Holy Spirit within us or we have ignored the Holy Spirit. But God wants to work amazing things through you. God wants to do things through you that you cannot possibly imagine. God wants to challenge you in ways and send you off into places that you can't even imagine. But I think we don't want to do it because we're, we're afraid. We're terrified of what God is going to ask of us. And some of us that's going and knocking on our neighbor's door and inviting them to church are just being neighborly. So God calls us 
and God equips us. And so we need to invite the Holy Spirit. If you want that, if you want more power of God in your life, then I ask you to pray a simple prayer this week. Come, Holy Spirit. You want more of God in your life? You want to experience God? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Fire. Come, Holy Spirit, into my life so I can experience you in my life today, here and now. And not just selfishly for myself, because I want my neighbor to experience it too. I think knowing God is a gift. I think it's the most wonderful thing that's ever happened to me. I think Rockbridge is a gift. I think y'all are awesome. I really do. Y'all are a blessing. Why do we not want to share that? Why do we want to keep that to ourselves? You know, I think because ultimately as, as humans, we're hoarders, aren't we? We believe in the scarcity principle that there is not enough. But I will tell you this about God's kingdom, the way God's work, God's kingdom works in this world, is the more we give, the more we share, the more we invite, the better it gets. It doesn't get less because we add in new people. It gets better. It doesn't get less the more generous we are. It gets better. Because God doesn't work on our scarcity. God works in abundance. So if we want to experience God in our life, we have to share what we have. And one of the things that we have is this awesome gift of faith. Is your life better because you have Jesus in it? Is it? Share it. That's what we're called to do. There are people who are counting on you outside these walls to give an invitation. So the next few weeks we're going to be talking about this. And I really think it's important that we have a frame of mind. So we're going to talk about this, this, I think, order that we need to do this. And that's make a friend be a friend, bring a friend to Christ. So we have to commit to being in relationship with people. Not just another notch on our belt for our holy bringing people to Christ thing, but to truly love people around us. So we gotta be friends. And then we have to truly be there for them and love them and be a part of their life and do life with them. And then when they are ready, then through the, ner- the, uh, the nudging of the Holy Spirit, we invite them. And maybe it's, that's all your job is to invite them to church or share your story of faith. And we're going to teach you a little bit of how to do that. And I encourage you to get this book and read through it and read some of the things that it talks about, Evangelism for Normal People. I'll make sure and post it. It's a wonderful book, and it gives you some of those, those tools and techniques. So over the next three weeks, that's what we're going to talk about between Randy and myself, about how we are called to share our faith. Because we are sent. Jesus says, as... My Father sent me, so I send you. If you say yes to that call, you will be equipped by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we're actually, I don't want you to think of this as ending worship. I want you to think of this as continuing worship. In a moment, uh, as I dismiss this, first I'm going to ask Jim and Randy uh, to get there. I don't know if I see uh, Jim, but so maybe Derek would go back there um, and get those baskets and be ready in place. Um, and they're going to receive, or maybe that's Jim coming up right there. there you have your, your pledge card. And I want you, even if you have not yet written anything on it, to put it in the basket. And here's why. I want you to make a commitment that you're going to give something. Your time, your energy, your gifts, whatever it might be, I want you to give something and say, 
I may only have $5, but I'm gonna give some. Just give something and let God bless that. And let God bless you through that gift. So you're gonna, uh, Michelle and I, we're gonna have a song. Michelle and I will lead you out. We're gonna place our commitment into the basket. And then as you will come out, then the very first thing you're gonna find is food. <laughs> food is part of worship. So you're gonna come out, you're gonna make a plate. And then we just have a few things we wanna share with you about the capital campaign. I'm gonna share a little bit. Adam's gonna share a little bit. Uh, Paul Gravely, Reverend Paul Gravely, who's our consultant, is gonna share a little bit. And we're gonna pray, and then you can have a, just a wonderful, blessed, and holy Sunday. So that's kind of the order of things. But I do invite you, just hang around, eat some food, celebrate together, and then be a part of this. So receive this blessing as we go from this place. Holy God, I pray over this congregation that we might be baptized this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit, that it might come over us in a wave, and that we are in awe of the mighty works that you do in us and through us as we make disciples for the transformation of the world. God, we love you, we serve you, and we give you everything we have as we say yes to being sent and ask for your Holy Spirit to equip us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.